Good morning, good morning, good morning. So glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us here this morning, we really appreciate you being here. Really, really do. And you should give yourself a little pat on the back because you are the few, the proud, those that did not use the time change as an excuse to not show up at church. Right? Amen. Hey, we are going to be in Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 15 this morning. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, that's where we'll be. If you don't have a Bible or you prefer, as always, the scripture is going to be right up here on the screen. Now, let me tell you about my Tuesday morning. Last Tuesday morning, while most people were having a very normal morning and a very normal day, I had had a very weird late night, so I was getting up just a little bit later than I usually do, and I was sitting down at the dining table having a cup of coffee and reading my Bible when my beautiful bride comes through the room and she said, um, there's something wrong with the plumbing, the toilets are stopped up. And in that moment, music, superhero music began to swell around me. Yes. I was in the kingdom for such a time as this. <laughs> Thor has his hammer. I had my plunger. <laughs> That's right. There is Superman, there is Batman, there is Spider-Man, there is Iron Man, and then there's Potty Man. <laughs> and I was there. Because I am full of Jesus, I don't do anything without Scripture going on. So as I walked into that, that bathroom and I looked down at that toilet, I said, even though the enemy comes against me like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. That's right. And I begin to plunge. It wasn't quite working the way I expected it to. So the Bible also tells us that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent must take it by force, right? So I decided I was going to plunge violently. Took my plunger and I dove down into it. Water splashed up on my pants, on my shirt, on my hands, on my face. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Touch not the unclean things, saith the Lord. I needed help. I needed rescue. I needed salvation. I needed a plumber. In this life, in this world that we live in, all around us, every day, are people that are stopped up. And they've tried everything they can to get themselves unstopped. But they need some Jesus-inspired plumbers to come along and love them in a way that only we can do that. Because they need salvation. They need rescue. They need help. They don't need accusation, condemnation, judgment, or even a lecture. They just need help. So this morning we're continuing on with our series called Hang Ten. Ten qualities that you can hang on to 
If you've missed any of the lessons over the last few weeks, you can go to nctyler.org and you can listen to those. This morning we're talking about hanging on to evangelism. And I know that that is our favorite word. Some of you, when I said it, your stomach sank. You're already kind of sneaking down into your chair, so I won't see you. Because for some reason, the word evangelism scares us. But let me give you the definition of evangelism here at NCC. We say evangelism is helping someone take their next step towards God, whether it's their first or their hundred and first. We want to help people continue to move, continue to go. There are people that are right at the starting line. They just need a, a, a relationship with Jesus. Well, we all need to be evangelized beyond that because we all need to take a different and a further step into God. Amen? All right. In Acts chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but we are introduced to a man whose name is Joseph, but the disciples called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And I believe that that, that name spoke of his character. He was an encourager. It's kind of like when I come in on Sunday mornings, uh, Jason Caceres back there in the, in the sound booth. Everybody turn around and wave at Jason. Doing a great job, Jason. I come in on Sunday mornings, and Jason looks down from his, his perch on high, and he goes, Morning, sunshine. And I know what he's saying. He's saying, your personality is so bright when you walk in the room, it just all lights up, right? Right? I believe that's the way it was with Barnabas. They called him son of encouragement because he was an encourager. He was encouraging people to know Jesus, to, to walk with Jesus, to go deeper in their relationship with Jesus. And we need to be encouragers. So this morning, I'm going to give you three very simple principles for evangelism from the life of Barnabas. And I mean, they're really simple. They're so simple, you're going to remember them. So the very first one is go to them. Go to them. The church at Jerusalem, where where Barnabas was living, sent him to Antioch. He had to go to them. And in Acts chapter 11, starting with verse 23, it says, When he arrived, he saw this evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy. He was encouraged, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas was sent, and so are you. You need to understand that. Now, you may not be being sent to another city or another nation. People are called to to be sent that way, but you're being sent. Every morning when you wake up, you're being sent somewhere. Your life is not an accident. You're being sent to people around you. You're being sent. If the only benefit to a relationship with Jesus was to bless us, he'd just take us to heaven right away. Because the greatest blessing that we're ever going to receive is being in the physical presence of Jesus for eternity. So if it's only just about us, why doesn't he just go ahead and take us? The answer to that is because it's not just about us. It's not just for us. 
It's for everybody that we encounter. Everybody that we come into contact with. You see, to truly express the love that God wants to express through us, we have to be willing to go places where others don't and talk to people that other people won't. We see, we see a fantastic example of this in Jesus in John chapter 4, talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Now understand, during this time, the Samaritans and the Jews, they did not get along. They did not like each other. And most of Jesus' ministry was done in the north in Galilee and in the south in Judea and right in the middle is Samaria. Now, the Jews disliked the Samaritans so much, instead of most of them going straight up through Samaria to get to Galilee, they went around. They just ignored them. They just bypassed them. But Scripture says Jesus needed to go. He said, I must go. I must go. Why? Because he was going places that other people don't go. And not only that, he was, he was ruining all the social norms that were going on at the time. You know, he could have shown up in Samaria and he could have gone and he could have talked to, to some of the elders, some of the rulers, some of the, some of the bigwigs there. But no, he decided to go sit by a, a, a well and wait for the, the village hoochie mama to come out there. you got to understand that in this time that, that a rabbi would not be caught speaking to a woman without her husband there. And if she was single, he wouldn't talk to her at all. There were rabbis. During the time of Jesus, there were rabbis that were called bleeding rabbis. Why? Because if they saw a woman and she was not with her husband or they saw a, a single woman, they'd close their eyes. They would not even acknowledge her. And they were prone to tripping over things, walking into to fences or whatever, and they would fall, cut themselves, and bleed. So people made fun of them and called them bleeding rabbis. This is how culturally against the norm Jesus was going. Yet he went someplace that others wouldn't go, and he talked to someone others would not talk to. That's what we're good at here at NCC. I'm going to tell you what I love about this church more than anything else is that we love hurting people. We love broken people. We love messy people. It's what we're good at. We're like an emergency room. People come in and they receive what they need. That's when they get here to us. But do you know how many are out there that can't get to the emergency room? So it becomes our job to be Holy Spirit-inspired ambulance drivers, EMTs, however you want to say it, to go to them, to get to them. But it's not always convenient, is it? See, Barnabas left, left his comfortable area, left his comfortable life to go. 
and we just need to, to be really honest with ourselves. We love comfort. Why aren't we doing more evangelism? Because we love comfort more than we love God. Oh, Pastor Chris, that's really mean. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the greatest commandment that he ever gave to his children is what we call the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's the greatest commandment that Jesus gave to us as a church, as a body, to his disciples. You go and you make disciples. Now, he wasn't just saying, hey, go around the world and do that. If you take that scripture and you look at it, literally it says, as you're going, about your day, whatever you happen to be doing, make disciples. Wherever you're going, no matter. Make disciples. And he didn't say, just make disciples amongst church people. Did he? Now his disciples didn't even catch this quite yet. They still thought that, that Jesus had just come for, for, for the Jewish people. But he said, of all nations, of all nations, what does that mean? We don't care what you look like. We don't care what color you are. We don't care what's going on in your life. We love you. And Jesus loves you. And we've got to get out of our comfort zone to do it. But the thing is, you don't have to go to the other side of the world. If God has called you to do that, that's great. But you may just need to go to the other side of town. You may just need to go to the other side of the classroom. You may just need to go to the other side of the office. You may just need to go to the other side of the church auditorium. But whatever, just go. It also says that he was full of joy when he encouraged. Evangelism is good news, not bad news. I know you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The word gospel, we're told to preach the gospel. The word gospel, the Greek word gospel means good news. So telling people that they're sinners and going to hell is not good news. Don't lead with that, okay? Why, did, why were people so drawn to Jesus? Why, why, why were prostitutes and tax collectors, and you got to think tax collectors, we think the IRS is bad. These guys were gang members. That's what they were. So why were gang members and prostitutes so comfortable around Jesus? Because he didn't start out with, girl, don't you know that having sex out of marriage is wrong? He loved them before he tried to change them. Okay? So let's love some people. Let's love some people. Let's give them the good news. Rescue is good news. Freedom is good news. Love is good news. Forgiveness is good news. Jesus is good news. I was reading a book just a few weeks ago, and uh, the author was citing a, a survey that had been taken amongst non-believing, non-Christian um, American millennials. And they were asked to describe Christians in one word. One word. And I'm going to give you the top three. I'm going to give you the top three because that author gave the top three, and I'm way too lazy to go find out the other answers. 
the top three one-word descriptions of Christians by non-believing, non-Christian millennials was hypocrite, homophobic, and mean. Now, that's not what I want to be known for. I mean, you may want to wear that badge, but I don't want to be known like that. What do I want to be known? I want to be known as somebody that loves. I want to be known as somebody that encourages, somebody that, that gives good news. But for them to know who we really are, we've got to go. Right? Anybody hate me yet? Thank you. The second... The second simple principle for evangelism from the life of Barnabas is go get them. The first one was go to them. This one is go get them. Acts 11, verse 25 says, Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Now, most of you know the background of Saul. In just a few chapters, he changes his name to Paul. But Paul had not been a real good friend to Christians. In fact, he was such a religious zealot that he persecuted the Christians. He had them thrown in jail. He, he even was a part of having some of them murdered. But then he has an encounter with Jesus. But you know what? There's just some folk that just cannot get over your past. And there were some folk that just could not get over Paul's past. So there he was down in Tarsus. But Barnabas had met him. And Barnabas saw the potential in him. Barnabas wasn't worried about his past. Barnabas wasn't worried about where he had been, what he had done, or what he had said. Because he knew God wanted to use him. And we need to understand that in our definition of evangelism, that our next step is discipleship. In Matthew 18, 12, it says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out and search for the one that is lost? Now, this scripture gets used a lot for evangelism. But I, what I want to point out to you is he said they were all sheep. In the New Testament, when Jesus is talking about sheep, he's talking about his people. He didn't say, I had a bunch of sheep and I want you to go get a goat. He said, you got a hundred sheep, and one of them is not following the way at the moment. Why would he not be in with the crowd? Well, he may have had a past too. So we are to leave the 99, not leave them forever. But we need to get out of our little comfortable area with the 99 and go, well, you know what? I see potential in the one. That one that has trouble 
walking the straight way, that one that, that has a little trouble staying with the group. I see the potential in the one, and God has put that one in my life and in my heart, and I'm going to walk with them. You see, every maturing Christian, I said maturing, every maturing Christian should have a one. There should be somebody that you are sowing into. There should be somebody that you're going to get. Pastor Sam came and got me when I wasn't easy to love. God's given me some ones who weren't always easy to love. About six years ago, this girl came walking through my classroom. I was teaching Bible at a, at a local Christian school, and this girl came walking through my classroom, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, I want to get a hold of her. And I was like, well, go for it, God. <laughs> I'm all for you. You know why? Because I'd heard about this girl. She had a reputation. You see, she, she thought it was her life's purpose to destroy Bible teachers. She'd gotten her two previous Bible teachers to quit. <laughs> but God forewarned me. So it didn't matter what she did. The Lord had already told me, I want you to hang on to this one. See, she was my one. I want you to hang on to this one. And she couldn't make me mad. She couldn't get me to quit. I was hanging on. Now, there's times I want to pop her upside the head. And she started coming to youth group. And I thought it was because she thought I was just so awesome. But she told me later, well, I couldn't get you mad at school, so I thought I'd come over there and mess up your youth group. She's had her ups. She's had her downs. But I got to pray the prayer of salvation with her. I've had the distinct pleasure of walking with her. I've seen her when she's flying high. I've seen her when she's been rock bottom. But you know what? She opened the service this morning. Right about that same time, the Lord gave me another one, gave my family a one. She'd been in abusive situations. She'd been on her own since she was about 14. And she didn't know what it was like for somebody just to say, I'm never going to quit on you. Because everybody in her life quit on her. And the Lord said, not only do you take her in, but you treat her like a daughter. You love her like a daughter. Because she's going to be a daughter. And she didn't know how to be a daughter at the time. She didn't know how to be a sister. She didn't really know how to be loved. She had her ups. She had her downs. And when she was down and... And she thought we were going to ask her to move out of the house. I didn't. Why? Because I wasn't going to ask this one to move out of the house. Believe it or not, she had ups and downs too. God had given me a one, and I wasn't going to give up on the one. So this day, I have a beautiful daughter. 
who I love like a daughter, and I never give up on, no matter what. And she worships like a wild woman, too. I love you, Michaela. I love you. So we got to go. You've got a one. Go find that one. Last but not least, here's your third simple principle for evangelism from the life of Barnabas. First we went, go to them, go get them, now go again. Acts chapter 15. See, I started crying, now my nose is running, it's all your fault. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord and see how the new believers are doing. And Barnabas agreed and wanted to take John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark and he sailed for Cyprus. Now, I know as we, as we read that, because we're human, we may say, well, look at them. They just got angry with each other, and they couldn't, they couldn't work with each other, and they just decided to split. And I don't believe that's what happened. Paul knew what he was called to do. Barnabas knew what he was called to do. Barnabas had been doing it with Paul, but Paul no longer needed Barnabas to hold his hand. But Mark did. See, as we grow, as we minister, it's time to let people go. But always find the next one. Always find the next one. If, if Barnabas hadn't had such a heart to go after Mark, we might not have the gospel of Mark. The very first gospel that was written was by that same kid that Paul didn't want to go on the trip with him. But Barnabas was a discipler. He wasn't going to let go because of somebody's past. He wasn't going to give up on him because of his past, because of what he had done. He was going to go again. He was going to go again. I heard somebody say one time that obviously Barnabas missed it because you never hear about Barnabas again in the Bible. Well, I don't think Barnabas was uh, looking to, to put Book of Acts on his resume. He was just looking to love people. And that's what he did. He went after them. He went and got them. And then he went again. And we'll close with this. Jesus modeled this, this, this same, these same principles when he was calling his own disciples. First he went. First he just spoke. The first time that, that Jesus ever laid eyes on Peter was not the, you know, sometimes we, we read that. And when Jesus says, come and follow me, it's almost like a zombie thing. He drops it and just follows him. <laughs> Peter had heard Jesus before. Jesus had gone to him, but then he went and got him. 
And he said, Peter, I know that, that you're a fisherman, but I'm going to teach you to be a fisher of men. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people, how to capture people. And there was a group who called themselves the fishermen. And there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by rivers and lakes just loaded with fish. Week after week, month after month, year after year, those who called themselves fishermen had meetings to talk about fishing. To talk about places where they should go to fish. To talk about techniques to fish. These fishermen even built large buildings and called them fishing clubs. Ironically, they didn't go fishing very often. Now, after one of uh, these stirring club meetings on the three simple principles of fishing from the life of Barnabas, a young man got so excited that he went fishing. And believe it or not, he caught fish. And he came back and he told his fishing club about catching fish. And they got so excited that they began to send him around to all of the other clubs so he could tell them about fishing. Now, of course, he had to stop fishing so he'd have time to tell everybody about fishing. Now, it's very true. Many of the fishermen sacrificed and put up with all kinds of difficulties. I mean, many of them lived or worked right on the water's edge, and they had to see and smell dying fish every day. Bless their heart. Others were even ridiculed by the fish for saying how much they loved the fish but refused to get down in the water with the fish. Did you get that one? So it does make you wonder, if the point of the clubs is to make fishers of men, is a person really a fisherman if he never goes fishing? This is what I want you to know this morning. As an ambassador of Jesus on this earth, we are commissioned to go to them, to go get them, and then to go again. God has a one waiting for you if you're willing to leave the company of the 99 for a while and go fishing. What do I want you to do? I want all of us to stop talking about fishing and start fishing. I want us to ask God to soften our hearts towards the fish. Ask the Lord to help us be ambulance drivers so the hurting can get to the emergency room. Then I want you to honestly ask the Lord for a one that you can faithfully disciple. Will you pray with me?
Lord, you said that we are the salt of the earth. Lord, we don't want to be flavorless. Lord, whether we got saved in children's church when we were five years old, or we got dragged out of a pit of hell at 45 years old, Lord, we've all been in need of a Savior. Lord, we need you. But Lord, don't let us be so self-centered, so myopic that we don't realize that the same Savior that we need, the same Savior that brought us forgiveness, the same Savior that brought us hope is the same Savior that wants to bring hope to people around us. Lord, you're not calling us to stand on a street corner and, and, and shout at people about Jesus when they come by or, or, or wear a sign, the end is coming soon. Lord, you're calling us just as we go in our daily lives just to be in tune with you. So when you say, there's a one, there's a one, there's a one, Lord, we don't miss that opportunity. Lord, we don't want to be just believers in Jesus. We want to be disciples of Jesus that are taking the good news of who he is to people that desperately need it. Lord, change my heart. I get so busy. I get so caught up with church work that I sometimes forget that you've put me on this earth to do kingdom work, not just church work. Lord, I thank you that I I can look back and remember the day that you you saved me, that you changed my life, that you, you poured yourself into me. You came rushing into the mess that was Chris Bauer. And Lord, although I've continued to be a mess at times, you love me. You love me. You love me. And Lord, I want other people to know that in their mess, Jesus loves them. Give us an opportunity. Give us an opportunity and give us boldness to be the people of God that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name.